Welcome to the Why Didn't I Know podcast, episode 20. I'm your host, Dr. Jenny Martin, and today we'll be talking about your psychedelic powers of perception. Now, we've known for some time that the most incredibly powerful hallucinogens, psychedelics, whatever you want to call them, but the most powerful ones that exist on the planet, they exist in lots of different plants, but the the most powerful actually exists in our brain and body. So we're talking about DMT and 5-MeO-DMT, both existing. They've been found in our brain tissue. They've been found in human blood, urine, and cerebral spinal fluid. Now, the question is, if we have these incredible, you could call them magical substances inside of us, and the word for that is endogenous, meaning that they're inside of us rather than exogenous, meaning we take a pill, we take something that's separate from us. But if we have these endogenous psychedelics within us, what are they doing there? Now, we've heard it speculated that these psychedelics are linked up with the time of our birth. They're upregulated during a vaginal birth, during physical death. But the question is, those are just two moments in time. What, what are they doing the rest of our life when we're living in normal everyday life? Well, what gets talked about the most is altered states of consciousness and these endogenous psychedelics. So we have authors writing on lucid dreaming and mystical type of experiences, creativity, So experiences when we are not in our normal waking state, whatever that means, which we'll talk about in a second, but we're in an altered state. Some people call them non-ordinary states. But what has been believed for quite some time is they really don't affect us the rest of the time because they're at such low concentrations. So we don't have enough of DMT, 5-MeO, to really have any influence on the way that we're functioning, the way that we our whole brain and body operate. So they really don't have a role. Well, at one time, it was believed the water in our body just doesn't really play any role either. It's just there. A lot of our body is made up of water, but it doesn't really have a purpose. Well, we now know it has tremendous amount of purpose, which is for a different episode I won't talk about now. So what we thought was that these endogenous psychedelics are such low concentrations, they don't have any, they don't have any effect on us during normal functioning. That belief changed when some discoveries were made that indicated that these endogenous substances play a vital role in our everyday life. And some of those roles include an anti-inflammatory response, 
an oxidative response. But the one that I want to talk to you about here is the hypothesis, we don't have this proven yet, but the hypothesis that these endogenous psychedelics are regulating our everyday perception. Here's an idea. Maybe waking consciousness is its own dream state. Maybe what we all agree on that has been called consensus reality because we all agree on it, maybe that isn't fully entirely objective either. And I say that based on a study that was done in 2019. There's the well-known study in quantum physics called the double slit experiment that taught us that an observer, a human witness to the scientific experiment is going to have an influence on the outcome of the experiment. It's not going to determine the outcome, but it's going to force an outcome, if you will. Well, in 2019, in Vienna, Austria, researchers decided to go to the next level, and they decided to look at, well, what happens when there is two witnesses? There are two observers. When there is an observer to the observer witnessing this double slit experiment, does that make any difference? And what they found was that it does. What they found is that there was no objective result, that the two witnesses impacted the results in a different way. And what this is telling us is that, the whole, for instance, the whole basis of science is that through experimenting, through the whole process of the scientific process, you can arrive at an objective factual result that is independent of any human opinion, any human bias. But the, this double slit experiment that was done in 2019 with two observers shows us that that basis of science, that objectivity being entirely even possible, is actually suspect now because it tells us that Human beings do influence the outcome. We are seeing the world through a sense of subjectivity. There isn't a objective reality out there. And this is, yes, it has to do with science. It would cause us to reevaluate the whole scientific process, trying to arrive at an objective reality, but it relates to us as human beings. It's telling us that what we all think of as consensus reality, this is the one reality that is real. And if we go into an altered state, that's not very real. And we need to come back to our feet on the ground to the real world here that we all agree on. Well, the double slit experiment in 2019 with two witnesses told us those two witnesses did not agree. There was not one objective report. There was two subjective reports. So there is not the basis of there being a, an external objective 
reality. You've heard people say we're living in a simulation and none of this is real. It's all an illusion. Well, I'm not suggesting that exactly. What I'm suggesting is that these endogenous DMT, this endogenous DMT 5-MeO, that they are regulating our perception, not just during altered states. They are regulating our perception during waking reality. Well, what's been happening the last couple of years, we've been going through challenges as a world community. Globally, we've all been experiencing many different challenges that haven't showed up on the planet in the way that they've showed up the last couple of years. And we've felt a certain level of connectedness through our struggles with the world community. But how we define those challenges, how they define us as people, how we define our future is subjective. However, what has been happening is the narrative about this whole external event, these external events that have been happening the last couple of years, we've been told to follow a certain interpretation of it. And if alternative interpretations, different subjective views are written about, talked about on YouTube, on social media, then they are censored. They are told that they're not welcome. And so rather than us having the freedom of will to say, yes, this external event is happening, but this is how I see it. This is how I experience it. And this is where I see us going. Well, rather than that being welcomed and us learning from each other, there has been a suppression of different views, whether you agree with them or not. That's not my point with this discussion here on this episode. My point is that when you limit the variance of different views, you are attempting to construct a reality that we all agree on as one objective reality. Well, trying to arrive at completely objective facts, even through the scientific method, which as we have talked about just a moment ago, has been shown to be in and of itself flawed, no longer becomes possible. And our subjective view, how we choose to live within the constraints of the external events that we're all experiencing, how, what subjective realization we bring to that, our own perception, is going to determine our experience. Because the world outside has less power to dictate our experience than we have been led to believe. It can only draw us in to that living with anxiety, living with fear, if we agree with the perception that is being constantly promoted. We're at this crossroads in humanity of either living as sovereign beings and choosing 
what we will entertain in our mind and heart as being real, or whether we will merge with the default consensus reality. When we in tune inside, we realize that there is something more that's possible here, that we are here on purpose. Life has meaning. We don't need to have the meaning shaped by the news outlets that would love to shape it for us. And when we live from our inner knowing, we can live as mystics have lived in previous times. They didn't have a better world necessarily than we have, but they didn't live from the external telling them what was true. They lived from the internal knowing what was true. And at any time, we can get an agreement with that. It's taking back your power. It's taking back your ability to perceive things. The emotions that you consciously allow in your body, because if fear shows up and thoughts of fear show up, You can consciously interrupt that and say, no, that's not mine. I'm not going to choose that. And place your attention on sending thoughts of compassion to other people. Place your attention on thoughts of what you're looking forward to, creating in your life. Whatever gives you a sense of freedom in that moment and a sense of an elevated emotion in that moment. Our ability to be at choice in our thoughts and in our emotional life is going to synchronize us with a reality that is existing now. There are more than one dimensions that are all existing at the same time time. We have choice here that the world that you see when you open your eyes and you turn on the news is not the only version of the world that is coexisting in this time and space, that there are other versions of the same world. The only reason why you are not experiencing them We are not experiencing those other versions is because our thoughts and our emotions are not in alignment with them. So the synchronized universe model is this. When we shift our vibration, when we shift our frequency, which we do that through choosing our thoughts and choosing what we emotionally are going to dwell on, Then we are going to synchronize to a different reality that is there all the time. Now, we're talking about as well here endogenous psychedelics. That shift in vibration is going to correlate with a shift in the psychedelic within you because the psychedelic is regulating perception. And over time, if you keep choosing those emotions, you're engaging the neuroplasticity of those psychedelics. And the neuroplasticity, that idea tells us that your brain can be 
changed. It can be rewired. If we take back our ability to choose and we start choosing, no, I don't want to watch that show today because I know that I always feel uneasy after I watch it. No, I don't want to listen to that music because I'm always in a dark place after I listen to it. Whatever it is for your own life, it's becoming aware of what your body is doing after you have certain influences like social media, other people, and even your own thoughts. So in the moment where you're feeling like, oh my God, I'm really worried right now, I'm really stressed out, start engaging in becoming aware of your thinking, witnessing what are your thoughts, what are you feeling, but primarily what thoughts are running through your head right now. And even just take a pen and paper, write them down so you can get some distance from them and become aware that that's what's driving that feeling. And it's not like you snap your fingers and you're immediately out of it, but becoming aware of what you're telling yourself is a sense of taking back your own sovereignty. And then seeking out, once you become aware of what you've merged with, then you can make the opposite choices. Then you can, well, if I was feeling hopeful, what would I listen to? If I was feeling a sense of excitement, what movie might I watch? If I was feeling a sense of connectedness with others, who might I talk with and what might we talk about? So making choices based on that desired state, our opportunity here, like no other time, because when there is great crisis, there is also great opportunity. We're at a point in the history of the universe, if you will, where there is more of this portion energy, which I've talked about before. I'm not going to talk about right now, but there's more of this, if you could say consciousness that is available to us to tap into on higher levels. So as soon as we make the choice, as soon as we make the decision, I'm going to get out of the matrix. I'm going to get out of this consensus reality. It's not going anywhere good. It's just causing more suffering and more despair. And as we know, the more that you're in despair and your mind is in turmoil, the more your body and your immune system break down. So I'm going to help the world and help myself by not participating in that vibration. I'm going to go walk in the park and really get immersed in nature. I'm going to make love with my partner. I'm going to do things that are affirming what I want. And this is how we engage those endogenous psychedelics over time when we consistently make those choices. We are then we are then rewiring our brain not to a low vibration but to a higher vibration. Our perception over time, starts to be that this is a benevolent universe, that this universe has meaning, that there is a positive future for this universe, that humanity is going to go to the next level. We start to see around us reasons 
to keep thinking this way because these endogenous psychedelics regulating our perception are now working with us on a different vibration. And this is where having a relationship with the divine is so important. I was on a webinar with a psychedelic community a little while ago, and they were asking me, what is the first step in really getting a relationship with this psychedelic potential within us? And my immediate response was, I was speaking to a group of women, and my immediate response was, selecting a goddess, a version of the divine feminine that is known in our collective reality, for instance, Isis or Aphrodite or Venus or Inanna or Mary Magdalene. Those are just a small few uh, of the variety from all different parts of the world. There's African goddesses, there's Celtic goddesses, you name it. There's a myriad to choose from, whatever your heart resonates with. There's Native American, you name it. But those names hold a vibration and they hold a connection to a level of energy that isn't matched to what's going on in the planet right now. They hold a higher vibration. And yes, you're not going to be seeing them showing up in your, you know, at your dinner table and having a conversation with you. You're not going to have that kind of relationship. But we are energy. They are energy. And you exist in a non-physical form as well. So you can have a relationship with a being that is non-physical. I mean, this is what happens in DMT trips. You bring your own consciousness to the DMT trip, so you might have an interaction with a very scary being if you show up attuning to that level of frequency, or you might have a connection with a very unconditionally loving being if you go in with a different state to begin with. So I'm talking here about choosing a representation of the divine feminine that holds a very high vibration. And some of the ones that I just listed are examples of that. And so what we do is when we're having a hard time, when the world is throwing a myriad of reasons at us to be in despair, to feel terror, to feel fear, and if we feel that in our own human capacity, we just can't imagine an alternative to that. We just can't imagine a brighter future. If we feel that we can't even generate feelings of love because the fear is so consuming us, this is when it becomes critical to call on this name of whatever goddess you have chosen to have a relationship with and to Invite this entity, this goddess, to assist you. And does that make you weak? Does that make you 
not have a sovereignty? No, because they're not telling you what to do. They're not controlling you, but they're always available to help. There are helpers. And we know that when we do a DMT trip, that there are helpers. We're not alone. It's an illusion to believe that we're here without invisible help. There is help that we can't see with our human eyes, but is with around us all the time. They can't help us unless we invite them. So we need to invite them to help us. But I do know from personal experience and working with many, many, many women that when you invite them, you know, whether it be Isis or Nana, Magdalene, whoever you choose to connect with, when you ask them to help you to feel love, not fear, to feel safe, not afraid, to help you to imagine something good happening tomorrow rather than something bad happening tomorrow. When you ask them to help your mind to get calibrated to something beyond the consensus reality, you will get that help. We don't have to do this alone. The big indoctrination right now is that we're alone, we're separate, life has no meaning, You don't even have an identity as a woman anymore. I mean, there's a real attempt to deconstruct everything that gives our life meaning. There is no God. There is. And when people do psychedelics, they're realizing, hey, I don't know if I believe that. It feels like we're all connected. I don't believe that there is no divinity. It feels like there is something beyond human nature. When we are told that, oh, no, fear is real, it's more real than anything else, and then you access a different reality in psychedelics and you find, well, how come there's unconditional love here? What And it feels more real than our waking reality. This is why the psychedelics are contributing to the upgrade of humanity's consciousness. What's more exciting is to realize We have this within us. I believe in a divine intelligence that has given us these plants, but really is pointing us ultimately to ourselves and to human connection as giving us an experience of divine love in a profound way. That's the nature of human intimacy, lovemaking as giving us a psychedelic experience, which is an important topic in my work and something I will be exploring more in future episodes. Thank you for joining me today. I look forward to being back here soon. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and you can leave a review so more people find out about this podcast. See you again soon.